If you're thirsty on this Friday afternoon, make sure you check out Davidson's two locations, one in Centennial, one in Highlands Ranch. They will get you hooked up with everything you need. If you're like me, you've been really expanding your taste in bourbon during this uh, quarantine. So make sure you check out Davidson's. When I went down there, they helped me out. I had a few uh, you know, suggestions or things that I liked. They helped me find a couple bottles in that realm. Uh, really enjoyed my trip over there. So make sure you hit them up. They've got curbside pickup. They've got uh, delivery. However you want to obtain your spirits, Davidson's is the place to go. Broncos country is sitting in the south stands drinking the curds from mile high the best part of the weekend hugging a perfect stranger as they become a friend having a good time when the orange and blue W.I.N. Welcome in to the DNVR Broncos podcast presented by MSU Denver Online or, or as I like to call it MSU DNVR Online because they're part of the family but don't get it confused it's msudenver.edu online slash online and they've got all sorts of courses over there tons of different options for you to further your education and really there's never been a better time to jump back in and get that degree you've been thinking about. So make sure you check out MSU Denver online or msudenver.edu slash online today. Well, it's just Zach and I on the podcast today. Mace, unfortunately, running into some technical issues. That's just the world we live in in 2020. And we hope that the same things uh, don't happen to the Broncos as we found out today that they're going to be doing Zoom calls with all, or the goal is to be doing Zoom calls with all draft picks with the media in on those. That should be really cool. Uh, I'm, I'm thankful for the Broncos for uh, adding the Zoom feature to what they're trying to do here in the draft. It, it makes it a little bit more accessible for us, a little bit more friendly as we get to meet the new Denver Broncos. And speaking of meeting the new Denver, well, first of all, hi, Zach. Hey, Ryan, it, it's, you know, we're throwing it back to a year ago when it was just you and I, except I feel like I'm joined by a new looking man right now. You've got, uh, you've got some cool glasses on. Yeah, I'm channeling my inner hipster here today, <laughs> uh, testing out some, uh, some of these blue light glasses, see if it's a little easier on the eyes, try mm. to avoid these. I mean, I'm pretty much on, like my entire life is just a series of Zoom calls now and that can be a little rough on the eyes in the old uh, cabeza so uh, uh you definitely got the hipster look i mean your hair is just going to be super long in the middle the beard's growing out you got the glasses on i mean when, when is uh, uh portland opening up the new <laughs> office yeah uh, maybe that's next i feel like i need like one of those like nathaniel rateliff hats to uh, really finish, yep. finish off the look especially since i haven't been able to have a haircut in longer than i mean i could the last time I probably took this long to get a haircut was when I grew my hair out beyond my shoulders. Oh, wow. Maybe, maybe we just need to go go to that right now. I was thinking, like, how long until I can get a man bun going? <laughs> probably going to be, like, at least another six months or so. Now, where do um, you do the man bun? Top, like, the the, fr- the forehead, the middle, the back? Oh, like, where do you, where yep. do you put the knot? Yeah. 
Uh, I don't really seem like a top knot type of guy. No, no. Probably gonna have to go on the back <laughs> back of the head. Fair. <laughs> um, so like I was saying, the the Broncos are bringing in some new technologies to help us with our draft coverage. And if you haven't seen our announcement yet, we are super, super, super excited about what we're gonna be doing for the draft. Wire to wire live coverage of day one and day two of the NFL draft. And of course, we'll be covering day three as well. Uh, But what we're doing on day one and day two will be the biggest production in the history of DNVR. Uh, We are taking, I mean, you know, we're in a unique situation here where the, this is the only thing happening in sports. So we figured why not take our entire company all hands on deck. I'm talking about over 20 different people will have a job in this production and it is going to be so so cool. We've done some test runs. You guys have seen just little glimpses of what we're capable of with some of the mock draft stuff, but this is going to be really really special. We're so so excited about it and I uh, can't wait for you guys to see it. If you have socks on during the draft, it's going to knock them right off your feet. This is going to be such a cool show. And, you know, it, it is unfortunate that we don't get to be in Broncos headquarters and be meeting these guys and be talking to John and Vic in person. But I will say we have found the good in the bad. We found the light in the darkness because th- this is something that is going to be so cool, so unique, and it's it's going to be your one-stop shop. Uh, the, the show and then the dnvr.com with all the content. It's going to be your one-stop shop for everything draft. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I can't imagine that this won't be a better experience for the fans. You know, it, it's yeah. a little bit worse for us. We're not going to get to meet these guys in person, which is very odd. You know, like uh, this is where you build, you, you know, set the foundation for your relationship with these players. So that is odd. But in the end, we're here for you guys. And I think that for you guys, this will be the best draft coverage uh, you've ever had from DNVR. Um, so, you know, maybe you'll you'll flip back and forth with ESPN sound and us. Maybe you'll just have ESPN muted. You'll just have us. You know, you won't – our goal here is to make it so you don't have to watch anything else if you don't want to. You can have us as your one-stop shop. We, of course, are going to have a Broncos-centric view of everything, and that is my favorite part about this. You know, never before has there been a wire-to-wire live show that has a Broncos view on every single thing that's happening. But we will discuss every, you know, every pick, uh, especially leading up to the Broncos pick at 15. We'll have in-depth coverage of that pick. Um, you know, I'm talking insight from everyone here at DNVR. We're bringing in uh, guests from all over the place, whether it be players, which we're working on. Um, can ne- I never make promises on those uh, those guys because you, <laughs> they're not the most reliable people in the world. But we we have we have feel uh, have talked about this with players. We're hoping to have them on for sure. Uh, one little scoopage I can give you on a guest that I know some people will be excited to hear is Brandon Perna has oh. confirmed that he will be on with us at some point during the two days that we are on. Um, some of the local media around town that we get along with well, we're excited to have them on too. So this is going to be special. And uh, I think it'll be, you know, we always talk about those little moments in DNVR history that people always remember, whether it be the the road trip podcast <laughs> from 
from Mobile to New Orleans or, you know, the uh, the Corridor podcasts in Indianapolis. <laughs> yep. um, this one will be a little bit more uh, of a refined production than those were. But this I think this will be one of those moments that people will always say, oh, remember that time on Draft Day Live when this or that happened? So uh, really excited about this. And, and I'll, I'll move on here. I just wanted to give you guys kind of an idea of the structure of it. Um, Zach and Mace are going to be, of course, in charge of leading our coverage when when it comes to the website and that sort of thing, Twitter and that kind of stuff. Um, they're they're essentially going to be making sure that we don't we don't lower the bar at all in terms of what we've all we've always done from that standpoint. But they're also going to be on the show quite a bit. Um, Zach, uh, Henry, Andre. Those two guys, obviously, uh, the draft gurus, and I will be full time on on the show. I will be hosting the show and kind of, you know, guiding our coverage uh, on the live side of things. Like I said, Mace and Zach jumping in periodically, probably after every Zoom conference. Our goal is to get the Zoom conferences um, edited up so you guys can actually see a glimpse of Vic or John or Henry Ruggs, or whoever it is uh, actually talking. We'll cut to some of the highlights of that. So, like I said, this is going to be crazy. A graphic for the picks, uh, no matter who it is. Um, you know, we'll have a, a probably clips of Andre's big board and who's left on it. Like, I mean, like you're watching ESPN, but with your friends over here at DNVR. So, like I said, I mean, I could talk for hours about everything we have planned, but we have all hands on deck over 20 different people working on this thing guests you know all of our all of our broncos people the draft people so this is going to be really 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 exciting it's going to be so so cool and it, it really is going to be the only place that you need to go it's going to be two things it's going to be broncos oriented and it's going to be fun it's going to be a damn good time oh that's the best part that's what we do best is have fun <laughs> yep. uh, okay let's get in to uh some of the news here with the broncos and and uh, you know i hate to uh to flip the switch on the mood here so quickly but of course we do have to uh talk about this von miller the first bronco one of the first players in the nfl certainly one of the highest profile athletes in america to announce that uh, he has covid19 um certainly shocking news i think for anyone that saw it um and uh you know, all we can do is, is hope for the best from Vaughn. Obviously, um, he has asthma, which we know can create complications with this. But he also is, you know, one of the most refined athletes in the entire world. So hopefully, uh, you know, he has a, a, a jump start on fighting this thing and, and we'll keep him in our thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. Our, our best wishes are absolutely going out to Vaughn. Uh, I believe he was tested three days ago. Then the positive test came back yesterday. From what he's said, it sounds like he's already had a little bit of the sickness uh, and he's doing better now. Uh, but I, I do just want to uh, make it aware to people that this thing can come back in multiple ways. I, I know Vaughn's fully aware of that and he's having the best help from doctors, from, from the Broncos doctors. Um, and his care certainly isn't going to lag at all. Um, but just it, it, it could be, um, you know, a, a week or two for Vaughn. But of course, the best, our thoughts are, are with him. It's, you know, it's, it's a scary situation, especially like you said, Ryan, that, that he has asthma. Um, and now he's self-quarantined in his house. Yeah. So hopefully 
um, he gets better. And, and one thing I will say is just, I just hope that for, for from an NFL perspective, uh, I hope that, you know, the players realize that this is pretty serious because I just think based off of what I've seen on social media and other places that because this hasn't had a direct impact on the NFL yet, um, not even from a draft standpoint, but from a player standpoint, you know, they're not losing any money or anything like that to this point. I, I just don't know if they were taking it as seriously as the NBA and the NHL are, as their seasons were just taken right out from under them, um, that w- which was a real, you know, shining light for them on how serious this is. So I just hope, you know, you see the stuff with Dak Prescott, who's out there defending himself, saying, oh, I only had 10 people over for a dinner party. It's like, well, that's, you know, eight too many if one of those people lives in your house. So uh, I just hope that, you know, first and foremost, that Vaughn recovers and beats the hell out of this thing. Uh, and second, I, I, I hope that maybe there could be some positive change sparked by such a high-profile player coming down with it. Yeah, I definitely, definitely hope this is a wake-up call for, for everyone. And now, you know, Vaughn posted on social media last night saying um, that take this seriously. It's definitely for real. I just hope for everyone else that it, it doesn't take to be diagnosed with this and to have a positive test for, for people to, you know, open their eyes to this and see what's going on. I hope that, like you said, people can learn from Vaughn because, Ryan, the thing I've been saying about this is this isn't a big deal until it's a really big deal. Like if you don't, if you don't have it, if you don't know anyone that has it, it's not a big deal. It, and, and it's like, well, what are we doing? Just locked up in our homes. It doesn't feel like that. But then once one person, you know, or you get it, then it, you know, there, there's nothing else that matters anymore. It's the biggest thing that's going on. So not, not only for, you know, everyday folk like, like you and I uh, to, to learn from Vaughn, but for, like you said, the professional athletes that he's surrounded by who think they, you know, maybe bigger than this. No, Von Miller's about in the best shape you can absolutely be, and he's still got it. So best wishes to him. Absolutely. All right, let's try and, uh, and pivot from that uh, and move on to uh, some Broncos conversation. And something interesting came out last night uh, from our friend Benjamin Albright over on Broncos Country Tonight, who said that Elijah Wilkinson is expected to compete with Garrett Bowles for the left tackle job. And Zach, I just want to ask, what is the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear that statement? The first thing that comes to my mind is an offensive tackle early in the draft just became way more of a possibility. Way more. Way more. Mm, yep. Please, please expand. Well, because it, it, it's not that I thought, okay, the Broncos have Garrett Bowles and Elijah Wilkinson. Between those two, they should be able to find out uh, a, a solution at left tackle. No, my, my only hesitation for the Broncos taking a left tackle, potentially in the first round, was will they be willing to move on from Garrett Bowles? Will they be willing to put that first round pick on the bench and say, you know what, you've had your time, you're done? Well, if they're willing, if they're going to allow Elijah Wilkinson to compete for the left tackle spot, well, then that makes me say, well, they'll have no problem drafting an offensive tackle in the first round if the one they like is there. Mm, I like that spin. To me, what I heard was, uh-oh, they're already preparing for life without a high draft pick at tackle. 
Uh, and they're saying, you know, they're kind of trying to set the expectations that this isn't going to be a free ride for Garrett Bowles just because uh, we don't draft a tackle in the first round. He's still mm-hmm. going to have to compete for his position. But, you know, this is one of those things where we don't know uh, at what point this information became I don't I don't know how to explain exactly what I'm saying. Benjamin Albright reported it yesterday. Maybe he heard from Elijah Wilkinson, maybe he heard from Mike Munchak, who knows. But that's just when he heard it and reported it. Maybe this is something that was communicated to Elijah Wilkinson at the end of last season and it's just kind of made its way down the grapevine to where now it's public information. In that case then it hasn't has really no bearing on what what I think about the draft. Here's the other thing. Could it be a very sneaky smokescreen where the Broncos want people to think like I'm thinking and think, oh, well, they're already talking about having, you know, this guy compete for the job. So why? Well, that means, you know, they're not going to go draft a tackle in the first round. They're setting up to draft a tackle in the first round. It's so, this is such a funny time because you just can't take anything at face value. You have to try and read between the lines. And sometimes there's no lines to read between it, and it is face value. But at this time of year, there's no way you can take it that way. Well, and Ryan, on top of what you're saying, uh, Ben Albright uh, also on Twitter last night, I don't know if he said this on the show as well, but was really defending the idea that the Broncos won't be taking a tackle high in the draft and I don't know if that's sourced information that that's things you heard or that's just the way he feels about it but let's say that was sourced information then to me that may be telling me okay this may be a smokescreen to to let the Bucks know at 14 or or the Falcons right behind you that okay the Broncos aren't taking a tackle looks like they've got their tackle between Elijah Wilkinson and Garrett Bowles to me if the message is being pumped out that hard uh, coming from, let's say, yesterday he found out this news, then yeah, it, it does seem like a smokescreen. Um, but but you're right. The, the, the thing with this one is it, it is it is so weird, the timing of it. Um, and is it something that they found out yesterday? Is it something they found out three months ago? We don't know. Yeah, exactly. So that that's kind of the, the funny thing about this information coming out now is just because it comes out now, we have to try and read between the lines, although it could have just been something that has been, you know, out there for months. Um, and the truth is that this had been hinted at going all the way back to what last training camp when, uh, you know, the, the Broncos were, or maybe early in the season when Juwan James got hurt and they were saying, well, you know, we don't, we, essentially the idea was we would consider benching bowls, but we don't have any options. And the, and the option at that point would have been Elijah Wilkinson, but he's on the right side filling in for Juwan James. So maybe it's something, maybe it's nothing. Uh, at the very least, if it means the Broncos aren't drafting tackle early and they are going with, with bowls and Wilkinson, I, I just at least like the fact that they're branding it as a competition. Yeah, I, I like that Bulls isn't safe just because he's a first-round pick. But at the same time, Elijah Wilkinson struggled I thought you were at just right say, tackle. I thought you were going to say, Elijah Wilkinson sucks. <laughs> I was I mean, like, wow, dude. <laughs> I did use different words, but, man, he, he, he struggled at right tackle. Now, when the Broncos gave him the second-round tender, paying him $3.5 million, if he's your swing tackle, backup swing tackle, 
I'm fine with that because he has played a lot and has that experience. If he was going to compete at right guard, which now we know that's certainly not the case, I was okay with that. But man, after struggling at right tackle, to then be the starter at left tackle seems like a promotion uh, when the play on the field wouldn't necessarily point to that. But I, I, in the end, I do like that there's at least some competition. And in, to me, it gives me hope that the Broncos are willing to bring in someone even better to compete with Bulls. All right. Well, that's an interesting look at things. Uh, I guess we'll see. You know, I love the fact that we are within a week now. And, um, man, I just keep thinking about the reaction on this live broadcast when we get the Broncos pick because – Never before have I been live on a on a broadcast when this happened. You know, usually it's you and me sitting next to each other at Broncos headquarters, and it all happened so fast. Yeah. You know, like I can't even remember what my reaction was when they drafted Fant because you're instantly just crushing keys. Broncos <laughs> yeah. select Noah Fant, you know, and then you're just like, no, you're like on Google, you're like Noah Fant draft profile. You're like, then you're like back to Twitter. <laughs> Noah Fant ran a four five forty. You're back yep. to the draft. <laughs> Noah Fant, you know, he's two hundred and fifty pounds, and he runs faster than Nikhil Harry. And like you're just, you're just like, it's all such a whirlwind. The next thing you know, you're talking to him, you're writing about him. You don't even know what's going on in the draft, and the night's over before you can blink. So, this will be interesting. Um, I'm obviously going to going to be planning on writing something at some point, but it, it won't be as frantic for me to start scrambling for a story. For me, I, you know, we'll be right right there on the air when the pick happens. Then we'll be bringing you in, finding out what your reaction is. But uh, I think it's, you know, it's either going to be like a, oh, Henry Ruggs, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Or it's going to be like, hopefully hopefully the night ends at 15 hopefully we we don't have to hang around until 25 well or maybe we get 15 and 25 now i'd be okay with that (laughs) uh that just reminded me i was trying to think of something i wanted to talk to you about before we started the show and it just came to my mind oh did you see what came out from ian rapaport and one other person today uh you answer that and i'll look it up while you do Oh, no, I have not. This is this is juicy. What is it? All right. Here is an interesting dispatch from Ian Rapport, who has tweeted a lot today already. <laughs> uh, okay, so he's quoting Daniel Jeremiah. Here's the, here's the tweet from Daniel Jeremiah. I believe we'll see less groupthink in the draft this year. At Pro Days, coaches and scouts from different teams spend so much time around each other they end up forming a consensus on players. Not the case this year. Some will be shocked at how high or low these guys go. And one thing I'll add before I get to what Rappaport said is that we can really understand this because we stand out there with the media watching every single training camp practice. And if it's not just you and me who are forming similar opinions on players, it's everyone around there. You know, it's you know, groupthink is a kind of a bad word. Um, it's just you're standing around people who know a lot about this game and they, everyone makes really good points. And so you you do start to form opinions based off of something that someone else pointed out to you out there. So we can certainly attest to the fact that you're standing out there watching players. You do, uh, there, there do, does start to become more of a consensus opinion on guys, right? Absolutely, without a doubt. Okay, so then Rappaport comes in and says, I had a GM tell me, quote, 
the media is more wrong about mock drafts this year than they have ever been. Point being, players are going to be taken in places no one expects. So, so I did see this, and, and I wanted to talk about this as well. I totally forgot, too. But mm. when, when I look at the board, Ryan, it seems like, especially where the Broncos are, it seems like the Broncos are kind of in the spot where the elites are separated. Yep. To me, you know, maybe uh, I don't know exactly where Isaiah Simmons is going, if it's if it's three, if it's six. I don't know exactly where Jeff Okuda is going, but at least from a Broncos perspective i would be shocked if the board at 15 is significantly different than we're expecting obviously we've done a lot of mock drafts we've talked about this a ton and there's probably going to be one or two uh shakeups but i could probably guess which guys are going to be on the board or not now if this throws me off then that means the broncos are going to get a very good player at 15 so when i hear this i actually think good news for the Broncos because if guys like CJ Henderson are going to the Raiders at 12, that would surprise me. If uh, um, I, I don't need running backs are going in the top 10, that would surprise me, but that would be great. Cause it would mean that those other players would fall to Denver. Yeah. So a couple different uh, things that came to my mind when I saw this, first of all was, Oh man, great news for the Broncos. If guys like Jordan love, if guys like, uh, CJ Henderson if guys even like chase on is it Kalevon chase on I don't know how to say his first name you would know better than I. <laughs> uh out of LSU anyone who listens to the show knows I've been avoiding saying his first name <laughs> every chance I get um if guys like that are going in front of the Broncos amazing the Broncos might have three or four guys that we really like there at 15. And then when I finished that thought process, it led me to the next thought process, which is, <laughs> well, what if the Broncos also really, uh, you know, are planning on taking a guy that maybe not everyone expects to go that high. And you combine that with the fact that all these people that we've been hammering into people's minds uh, are going to be on the board. Well, then we might have, <laughs> you know, an out and out meltdown. So, you know, I started thinking of, I started going down the path of, Oh man, what if rugs, and um Werps and someone else are on the board and the Broncos go Justin Jefferson oh, people are gonna lose to their me. minds <laughs> so uh, there's just a couple different ways to look at it I think one it can be a great thing for the Broncos the other thing is it could just be uh you know fans might have to start preparing themselves for a little bit of a different scenario than they think is going to happen now, Ryan, how much do you agree with this, with, with this thinking that the, all these mock drafts are going to be wrong? Well, I don't know. Um, I'll tell you one, one thing I thought is, man, I would be shocked because I'm so with you on the fact that there's just about 15 very good players in this draft that I really, really like. Every time I look at the board when we've been doing these mock drafts, I see one guy I like for the Broncos and a bunch of guys I wouldn't touch. And <laughs> that's always – so So I'm of the belief that there are – there's there's a very distinct top 15. And then everything after that is just muddy water. So I would be shocked. I would be shocked if guys like – I don't know, like C.J. Henderson are going early or – Jordan Love even would, would surprise me a lot. Um, you know, you go on down the list. 
I think there's a much higher chance of the Broncos having one or zero guys that we really love available at 15 than three or four. I agree. But then, man, to your point, you do hear reports that the Broncos wide receiver board looks very different than what everyone else's receiver board looks like. Does that mean Denzel Mims and Justin Jefferson are two of their top three? And if those guys are there with other guys on the board, that's the route they're going. Does it mean that they don't like any of the wide receivers and that they're definitely going to trade back? Boy, this draft, like we're finding out, and and for real reasons, not just uh, Bachelor spoofing it up reasons, this draft really is going to be the most intriguing one. So I was thinking about this, and I was thinking, what causes this? What would cause us to be so off here? And I came to one potential conclusion, and I know if Mace was here, he would agree with me. The one thing I came to is maybe teams are really going to go for refined players instead of prospects. Uh, Andre has a saying, and and I'll butcher it, but essentially it's along the lines of the draft is all about prospects and potential. And potential always wins out, I think is what he says, or it's the ceiling always wins out in the draft. And I'm just wondering if maybe because of the current situation, the fact that teams might have a very abbreviated um, training camp, mini camp, rookie mini camp, all that stuff is going to be taken away from them in one way or another, except for hopefully training camp, which they'll actually be able to do football stuff. I just wonder if maybe teams are saying, okay, forget potential let's try to get guys who are ready to go. And if that's the case, you do start picking some of these guys and moving them significantly down the board. Yeah. And like Tua, he, he could very well slide and some other guys as well. And the NFL risk averse, you don't want to take those big risks, especially when these risks are even bigger now. Exactly. So that's the one thing that I think is okay. Maybe, a guy like Makai Becton really slides because he's more of a prospect. Right. Um, you know, heck, even a Henry Ruggs who doesn't necessarily have the p- production to show for the skill set could end up being a guy who slides because teams aren't confident. Then guys like Jerry Judy, a guy like Justin Jefferson even, who has high-level production that teams can point to, not pointing to a skill set or a number at the combine, maybe those are the guys who start jumping up boards uh, and really shaking this thing up. If if I were a GM, I would say, go right ahead, guys. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm going to stick with the players that I think are going to end up being the best rather than the ones that I think are most ready to go right now. I'll, you know, I'll draft a Henry Ruggs over a Justin Jefferson, even if that means he's Henry's not going to be quite as impactful this year. I'll just have to wait till next year when things normalize for him to fully hit his stride. If the Broncos didn't have Drew Locke or a player of his caliber and potential, at least what I believe it is, I would be pounding the table for Tua if Same. he slips past five for the Broncos. In some team, maybe it's the Chargers at six. They really luck out because the Dolphins say, Uh, We're just, we're too worried. Let's just get other good players this year and then tank for Trevor next year. Uh, I think someone's really, really going to benefit that. Uh, Ryan, are there any, off the top of your head, are there any top guys with character questions? No. um, I didn't think so. No, I'm looking at a list of guys right here. And I haven't heard character issues tied to any of these guys. 
And, and, you know, unless a video comes out in the next six days before the start of round one, uh, it, it seems like this, this, at least the top end of this draft, is a lot better uh, th than years past in terms of character guys. I feel like there's always one or two questionable guys, and you're not really able to gauge where they're going to go. But there's not even that this year. So, yes, you have Tua's injury. That is a big unknown on where he's going to go. I think it would be a mistake to let him fall any, any further past six. Um, but outside of that, it really seems like all of these guys, you know, three or four tackles, three receiver, two or three receivers, um, you know, Derek Brown, Javon Kinlaw, these guys, yeah, of course, the top guys, Isaiah Simmons, Okuda, Burrow, Chase Young, they're all going to go. And then seems like the draft board is going to fall pretty similarly for the Broncos. Yeah, so you just, I mean, you, you cross your fingers about two things. Hopefully this is right, and teams are taking crazy reaches on guys early in the first round, and hopefully the Broncos buck the trend and pick the best player available on the board. Okay, I want to go quickly over something that we both participated in in different ways in the last 24 hours. We were both asked to be a part of a national mock draft in two different completely separately we just found out about that we both did this this morning um in which someone went around to beat writers from each team and asked them to make the pick for their team and zach i want to start with mine here because it is honestly <laughs> unbelievable the board that i was left with like i thought that we hit on a nightmare scenario in our first dnvr mock draft <laughs> This is significantly worse. Oh, no. I thought mine was bad. I think yours is worse. It, it, it cannot be worse than this. <laughs> I guarantee it. So let me just tell you how the board fell here. One, Joe Burrow. Two, Chase Young. Three, Jeff Okuda. Four, Tristan Wirfs. Five, Tua. Six, Becton. Seven, Isaiah Simmons. Eight, Jedrick Wills. Nine, Derek Brown. Ten, Andrew Thomas. Eleven, Jerry Judy. Twelve, C.D. Lamb. 13, Henry Ruggs, 14, Javon Kinlaw. <laughs> now, I know I went fast there. So let me just tell you who is left on the board. Based on the draft uh, network's big board, here are the top six guys left. And this is the one that really messed the whole thing up. Justin Herbert. Yeah. He is the number one player left on the board. He has not gone yet. Uh, CJ Henderson, Chase on. Xavier McKinley, Grant Delpit, Justin Jefferson. Wow. <laughs> that That's worst case. And it, it's fascinating because yesterday when we did our mock draft, we had Herbert sitting there for the Bronx at 15, but there was also Jerry Judy. You didn't have that easy out. Yeah, exactly. Because CJ Henderson went in yesterday's draft. He doesn't go here. And so this is where, I, well, this is what I'm talking about. To me, there are 15 really good players in this draft, Zach. And one of them is Justin Herbert. Well, Justin Herbert falls here, and I, as the Broncos, have no use for Justin Herbert. <laughs> yeah. So as I told them, if this was real life, I would definitely trade back. Like, I've never been more confident in a trade back than I am in this situation right here. But not an option here. So let me just take a stab <laughs> at who I drafted. C.J. Henderson. No, hell no. <laughs> I took Justin Jefferson. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, man, this is ridiculous. I mean, <laughs> I I wasn't looking at any of these guys. No Henderson, Chase on McKinney, Delpit, 
you know, DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins, those guys, you know, there's no use for them right now, or at least not enough use to justify a first-round pick. Josh Jones was was a possibility for me, but it's like, man, I don't want to go there. So, like, I'm, I was looking at – I'm like, do I want Justin Jefferson or do I just say F it and take LaVisca? <laughs> Boy, that would have thrown the board. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean – That's what that, I was that, left with. That's, that's probably the route I would have gone as well. Um, that is that is brutal. Now, mine was a, a little bit better than that. Actually, it was a, a lot better. Uh, but my board is very similar. Number one was Burrow. Two, Chase Young. Three, Okuda. Four, Wills. Five, Tua. Six, Herbert to the Chargers. Seven, Simmons. Eight, Derek Brown. Nine, Andrew Thomas. Ten, Tristan Wirfs. Eleven, Becton. Twelve, Lamb. Uh, 13 Judy and 14 rugs. So you had a big run on wide receivers and tackles. The three wide receivers are gone. The four tackles are all gone, but Javon Kinlaw was there. And uh, to me, that was the one guy to not put me in the situation you were in, Ryan, was I got to say, okay, it's not the ideal pick, but it's a good pick. The Broncos, the Broncos are high-fiving after this pick. They're happy. A strength just got better. This is the way to beat the Chiefs. So that mine was almost worst case scenario but now we saw through yours what worst case scenario truly looks like who else was there uh, along with kinlaw that was it and, and it was your board so kinlaw henderson yep see and and so this is what i think that gm would would have been referencing is you guys are so convinced that there's this top 15 and every mock draft essentially runs through these 15 guys with maybe someone reaching for a CJ Henderson. And I think that guy saying like the, they're, that top 15 is not as consensus as the mock world thinks it is. Gosh, the good news is I got to think that Herbert's going to go. And the thing is though, if you just switch Tua and Herbert in your situation, Ryan, well, you're left with the exact same situation that you had because you just, you don't have a, a use for Tua. Now, Personally, that'd be very intriguing for me, but the Broncos aren't going to do that. And that is the situation if Tua falls, because I, I don't think Herbert's going to fall. So if Tua's the one that falls and the rest goes the way that it did, then yikes. I mean, then we're surprisingly pounding the table for a trade back. Yeah, crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. So it's funny, you know, you you – you're hoping that uh, that the Ian Rappaport report is correct and that there's going to be some craziness in front of the Broncos. And like I said, again, you just hope that the Broncos don't partake in the craziness and just, you know, have someone really good fall to them, a Jerry Judy, a Henry Ruggs, a whoever. And, you know, they, they say thank you guys very much for overthinking this. Yep, you hope that they're thanking the Raiders for taking C.J. Henderson. Exactly. All right, well, uh, one thing you'll thank yourself for taking is a 15-cam sampler pack from Breckenridge Brewery. It now includes Strawberry Skies. That's uh, – I don't want to bury the lead here. That is the the crown jewel of the 15-can sampler. But, you know, maybe you just go for two sixers uh, of Strawberry Sky. No one will blame you for that. But if you want to try out some new things, the 15-can sampler is where it's at. And – that means you can make at least three RK specials because you got three strawberry skies and th- oh no, you, you can make six. Six. Mm. So you got three strawberry skies, three hot peaks. You can make six 
uh, RK specials, unless you have a 24 ounce glass, then you could just make three really big ones. Uh, but <laughs> make sure you check out Breck. Make sure you order some food from the farmhouse. I personally like the sweet heat wings. 303-803-1380. Use the code DNVR if you go online to their website and you'll get 5% off your order. Uh, super easy to hop on their order. Add a couple six packs to your order, whatever it is. Uh, make sure you check them out. And they just announced today that they are doing next day delivery on a very wide uh, range in De- out here in the Denver area. So uh, not as instant, but if you're saying, man, I need some Brex and I live all the way out here and I'm not in the delivery range. Well, now they'll, they'll set it up for the next day for you to get a delivery if you're further outside. No food on those, uh, but you can get your beer. Well, and speaking of crown jewels, Ryan, you can't be hiding your own crown jewels. You got to make sure that you're showing the boys off and <laughs> manscaping can help with that, especially the lawnmower 3.0. And if they are really hidden, that LED light will illuminate everything that's going on down there. The 7,000 RPM motor, quiet stroke technology, it has got it all. So make sure to check out Manscaping to take care of the family jewels. I would recommend the Perfect Package 3.0 kit, which comes with that beautiful lawnmower 3.0, and the Crop Preserver, the Crop Reviver, the Perfect Package comes with the most comfortable boxers. So you guys got to check out Manscaped. And when you do, use that code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase and free shipping. So do it for the crown jewels. That's Manscaped. Great message, Zach. Everyone should thank you for that. And uh, especially the significant others of our listeners. Uh, yes. Male or female, to be honest. <laughs> All right, let's get into the comments from the good folks. And the first one here comes in from Sir James Radio. Uh, he says, "What? Uh, want to start the comment section off today with day seven of the Jersey Challenge. Today, we are on the Arizona Cardinals. I'll have to go with Larry Fitzgerald because he's the most underrated superstar, NFL, uh, superstar receiver in NFL history. Also, when you have more tackles than dropped passes as a wide receiver, you're worthy of whatever title you want. Yeah. That's it's your amazing. Guy? No, no, I'm going to switch it up because I know everyone was probably going to go Larry Fitzgerald and I know who you're going to go with. So I don't want to go with him. I'll go the new guy in town, Deandre Hopkins. Give me Mm. him. I think, I think he's, uh, he's going to go off this year, man. That's so exciting. And of course my guy, Kyler is the Jersey. I would get the black Jersey is the one I would get. And Kyler, Deandre Hopkins and Christian Kirk, even if they don't add in the draft and our guy, Andy Isabella, that is a serious, serious uh, offense to deal with. Kenyon Drake looked really nice in that group last year. So, uh, yeah, a lot of options, honestly, on, on the Cardinals uh, for exciting jerseys. You picked, uh, you picked a good team, and you picked them at the right time because they're going to be fun. I yes. can guarantee you that. They may not win. They, they may be just like Cliff, uh, Cliff's team in college, but they're going to put up points. Just kind of like uh, Tim Tebow did last night. <laughs> but he, he got the dub at least. <laughs> what a game from him. Like, yeah, you know, we talk about, and uh, my friend Ted posted this on Twitter, like people talk about the Bears game. They talk about the Steelers game. Talk about that Dolphins game. This game was maybe the most entertaining start to finish, or at least a full second half of entertainment. And uh, 
Timmy just went off in that one. He Tim and DT. I mean, they they looked like Peyton and DT in that game. I don't know what uh, what DT stats ended up being, but Tim Tebow had a one hundred and forty nine passer rating for the entire game. It wouldn't be a shock if you heard that that he did that in the final three minutes of a game, but he did that the whole game. His best statistical game as a pro. Yeah, uh, I mean. Hell of a game. And DT just kept running wide open somehow. <laughs> yeah. I, I Somehow he was a backup. And so I guess the Vikings just treated him, in a, treated him as a backup. So weird. Next one here from Cam Walter. So much negativity about Shelby batting down that pass. <laughs> Guys, we can forever say the last thing the Oakland Raiders ever did was lose to the Denver Broncos. Like it or not, I'll take that all day long. Yeah, that is pretty good to get to hold that over them. Ryan, didn't you tweet that right after the Broncos won? I did. That Yeah, that got a lot of action. I was, was going to say, how are the numbers on that? <laughs> uh, yeah, th- thousands of retweets. <laughs> Hubiak chiming in says, we've talked a lot about trading up for rugs, but what happens if we trade up with the Browns for a first and fourth, and then the Raiders do something stupid like they do and draft a corner? Now, Judy is still there at 15. We could end up losing a pick for no reason. We can always rely on the Raiders being stupid. Honestly, I, I, I would never look at it that way. Um, if you trade up and get Ruggs, that means Ruggs was your favorite guy. And if Judy falls to 15, well, that's my favorite guy, but it clearly wasn't their favorite guy. And so they still feel like they won that process. Also, somehow, if you trade with the Browns for a fourth, that's a steal in itself. But let's say it's even one of your third round picks that you have to trade to get to, to 10. Ryan, let's say there's a scenario where uh, there's still a top receiver on the board at 15, even after the Broncos took one at 10. I'm probably sitting there saying, oh, well, it doesn't matter. The Broncos got their guy at 10. I'm happy that they gave up a third round pick. I don't want to rely on chance with that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, you'll probably have to give up 15, um, one-third, and a fourth to get there. But to me, you know, that was the trade I suggested in our roundtable yesterday, which you guys can check out on the website. Um, th- that, to me, is a is a, an easy deal to make, in my opinion. I totally agree. I'd do it in a heartbeat. And if you want, you know, you still have two third-round picks, but you can trade back out of that second – third round pick make sure you have maybe two fourth round picks or something along those lines so uh to me easy money yeah i totally agree next one from hit mile high hitman happy quarantine pod number 87 i got it one i gotta throw shelby some love vegas over under for wins last year was seven so that giant glorious hand got me my money back two i like mace's ice and glass sound reminded me of how nice a glass of whiskey with rocks sounded Three for Locke, four for Manning, because we never get to 18. Five, question, since since some guys didn't run 40s at the Combine, but GMs want that number, has anyone tried to use their top speed on game film to estimate their 40 time? Feels like you could find correction between times using guys who have both film and ran a 40 to get a decent number. Thanks for keeping the pods rolling. Uh, I don't think so. I mean, technically you could, you know, if the play starts on the 20 yard line and a guy runs a, uh, a fly route, well, you could just clock when he gets to the, you know, the other side of the uh, field on the 40 yard line and say, well, that's his 40 time. Um, 
the interesting thing is that you most of these places now track actual game speed who hit the top speed if i am a gm i'm far more interested in that than a 40 time you know yeah. if if henry ruggs hit i have no idea what these numbers would be if henry ruggs hit 25 miles per hour and no one else uh you know in the draft crossed over 23 well then i don't care what his 40 time is i know that he is by far the fastest player out there and then i want to compare that with guys on my team okay is he definitely the fastest guy on my team yeah we don't have anyone who's crossed 24 even so to me that is far 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 more compelling than the type of information that you get from the combine yeah and some guys are also doing virtual pro days where they will record themselves doing things now you know, how much a team wants to take those numbers seriously and, and everything um, is up to them, but that's how they're kind of making up for it. All right, next one coming in from Jared Fry says, thanks, Zach. Now I'm hyped of the Edelman idea. Would you trade your first and a third this year for New England's first and Julian Edelman this year? Thanks. Well, Jared Fry, what, what Jared's referring to is what we had in the round table. And I said, I would trade a fourth round pick for Julian Edelman. Ryan, when you hear that, what do you think? Sign me up. Okay, okay, okay. You like that. I wasn't sure if you'd like me going to England, if you'd like me going for a veteran guy. But I really like this idea because it just now, if Visca is your guy in the second round and you don't get another receiver till the fifth, you're fine because you have that that steady receiver in Julian Edelman there. Uh, and it's only a fourth round pick. Now, Jared Fry answering your question. I think that'd be a terrible deal for the Broncos having to trade 15 and a third for Julian Edelman and moving back in the first round. I don't think it would cost that much. I, yeah, I think it would be maybe a third round pick for Julian Edelman, but if I think you could do it for a fourth. No chance in hell. I am doing anything with my first round pick for a player that old. Um, yeah. Maybe my last third round pick. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And then the count throws an interesting one and I'll let Ryan answer this. Philip Lindsay for Julian Edelman? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> Why? Yeah, I, I don't know. It, that wouldn't be a fair trade either. No, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> Philip Lindsay is significantly more valuable than that, and you're talking about you know taking on a huge chunk of salary while giving away one of your guys who has the best value of the best value versus salary on your team. So I, I wouldn't do that <laughs> ever. Yeah. And I, I don't think you would have to, I think Julian's a, a late third, early fourth round value. And Philip is what, at least a two, at least worth a second round pick. I think that you, uh, I think that you nailed it. The Patriots secretly probably don't want to hang on to Julian Edelman that much longer. And if you give them a, an out and they get a little bit of value here, I think they're interested. I, I, if I'm John, I'm calling before the draft so that you know you have that security going into the draft. Totally. All right, from the count, he says, what's a ghost's favorite curse word? Sheet. <laughs> Love dad count. Yes, I made that up. Well, that's a good one, count. I'll, uh, I'll have to steal that from you. Uh, there there's the dad jokes rolling in ryan yeah you know i'm not a fan of scripted dad jokes i yeah, like you, dad jokes that just come on the fly 
Yep. Roll off the tongue. Yep. Yep. And you're pretty good at those. I'll say you're locked into those. And the next one's coming in from locked in says Benjamin Albright reported yesterday that Elijah Wilkinson will compete with left tackle with bulls. Does this mean we will not take an offensive tackle early in the draft? Well, I'm sure you liked our first segment talk on that uh, as you could certainly view it that way, or as I viewed it, you could view it kind of the opposite way. Yeah. uh, It's a, it's a, you know, However you interpret it is what it is until we know anything more. Exactly. All right, from Avs Watch 22 Hey, gang, the DNVR lounge is awesome, but you already know that. It was a blast watching RK beat Coach Spano. Spano's knowledge of Madden feels unparalleled. Now on to the meat of this comment. I'm looking at teams who had success this past season, but I've singled out the Baltimore Ravens as a team that I think the Broncos can somewhat model their draft after. The Ravens took Marquise Brown 25th overall last year, a receiver to help their young and -and up-and-coming quarterback, Lamar Jackson. With their second pick that came in the third round, they took OLB Jalen Ferguson. Eight picks later, they took their second receiver, Miles Boykin. I don't remember hearing a lot about Boykin this past season, but I do remember hearing a lot about Hollywood Brown. I think we can agree that outside of the Chiefs, that the Ravens were the most successful team this past year. Thus, I think that they had the 2019 draft the Broncos can model their 2020 draft off. I will add the caveat that I know the Broncos and Ravens are not identical teams, and I'm not saying if we approach the draft the same way the Ravens did, we'll go 14-2, and two, and Drew Locke will break all sorts of records, as awesome as that would be. Do you guys think, or do you agree uh, or disagree, appreciate you good folks keeping up the awesome coverage, and hanging with us in the lounge regularly? Thank you guys. Go Broncos and go DNPR. Yeah, I mean, what what are the two positions we've talked about the most? Wide receiver and tackle in the first round, in the second round, uh, in the early rounds go both of those. And why? Because it helps out Drew Locke. That gives him the best chance to stay upright if you go left tackle, and it gives him the best chance to have the best receivers and weapons if you go wide receiver. So I completely, completely agree with you. Uh, and John's done enough on the defensive side of the ball where he doesn't have to address that in the first round. In fact, he doesn't have to address it in the first two rounds. He can just continue to give Drew Locke everything he needs to succeed. And why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you give your young quarterback everything he needs to succeed? Hollywood Brown didn't end up running a 40 last year, did he? I don't know. Because I think he was injured during the draft process. Okay. And so I don't think he ran a 40. I'd love to see what he what he would have run just because – that dude was open over the top so often this year and Lamar Jackson was able to make that throw. And I, and like, that's just what I think about with like a Henry Ruggs. I'm like, man, if there's just a guy who can just run past guys and Drew Locke just has to throw it out in front of him. Like I know Drew can make that throw. So you're talking about, you know, even if it's just once a game, a 40, 50 yard play that changes the game uh, every time. And you're not going to get a 40, 50 yard play every game, but the, the opportunity to get that, is so so valuable especially for a quarterback with a big arm how many times did we see drew have a chance to take the top off last year no the i i mean i i don't know this the i would guess the longest pass he had was the one in between the cover two uh over the corner under the safety to tim patrick in that was a home game i don't remember which one but I think that was like a 40 yard completion. I don't think he was able to throw a deep post or a fly route deep down the sideline behind anyone all year because the Broncos don't have a guy that can run that route. 
Yep, exactly. Brian, let me throw some numbers out your way. Let's say the Broncos do get one of those receivers in the first round. Should What would you think of these stats? 3.3 receptions per game for 42 yards and half a touchdown per game. What would you think of that as production? Run it back for me. Three catches, 42 yards, and about half a touchdown per game. From a rookie receiver, that'll, that's okay. That'll do. Well, and that's what Hollywood Brown did last year. Uh, he went for 46 receptions, 584 yards, and seven touchdowns. I think that a Broncos rookie receiver would do better than that. I do too. Well, depending on who it is, you know. When like I'm he, talking one of the top three. What was his yards per catch? Uh, 12.7. So that's – you'd actually probably like to see that even a little bit higher for a guy like Henry Ruggs. Maybe you're up closer to 16, 17 yards per catch. The eight touchdowns – or seven touchdowns? Yep. The seven touchdowns, that's the best part because it tells you he was making big, big plays once every other game. And that is what I'm talking about here. If you're able to get a guy who can just run past the defense and make a big play for you, that's what you want. That's what you need. That's what you want. That's going to be a huge help to Drew Locke. And not just to Drew Locke. You know, this is the most important part. Huge help to Cortland Sutton. Huge help to Noah Fant. Those three guys, if the Broncos took Henry Ruggs, are you know they they're zoom high-fiving each other because that uh that just made their lives exponentially easier out there yep i totally agree next one from triad bronco hey y'all what is each of y'all's favorite style of beer examples lager ipa kolsch style ale etc thanks i'll see myself up god bless man you know uh, the easier it is to drink the better i like it but I will say, I, I wasn't very well-versed in the Kolsch-style ales until I had Strawberry Sky. And, man, I really love that style of beer. But to me, it, to me is like when I take a sip of it, I just want to think, like, all right, how many of these can I drink in a row? <laughs> and usually with the lagers and that sort of style, the, the lighter ales, those are the ones that I'm like, yeah, I, I could drink a six-pack of these during one sitting on the porch. Yep, I totally agree. I like the lighter stuff, but with some flavor too. Uh, the ales, kolsches, and lagers, definitely. Totally. And some light, some light IPAs. And speaking of that, Wolf Drunk comes in and says, hey, I just thought I'd clear up the toilet paper question. The shortage is issue is due more to people being at home and using their own TP instead of the commercial roles used in businesses, so not wholly to blame on hoarders anymore. Speaking no. of <laughs> it's still the blame on hoarders yeah 100 percent. i mean I, I that that creates a reason why maybe you should buy one extra one extra stack although you don't even need that i mean one depending on how many people live in your house one rack of toilet paper should last you a very long time <laughs> yes like i said i never even restocked before this started <laughs> and i still haven't run out and I didn't yep. even have a full stock before. So, <laughs> and you're okay. And, and I'm okay. I've got two people living in my house. So maybe if you have, you know, a family of six, well, you probably go through a little faster. But there's no way I'm, I'm attributing to this, this to people being at their homes and not at their businesses. I mean, that might, um, that might account for like a 5% or maybe even a 25% uptick in usage. But no way that that's causing every shelf at every store to be empty that is just because people are crazy i saw a really funny video where this guy broke down all the math of toilet paper rolls and the the big pack from costco 
and said, if you buy one of those, it will last you two weeks. If you go to the bathroom, it was something like 192 times a day. Oh my God. <laughs> so you're, you're going to be fine on toilet paper. Uh, he goes on and says, speaking of cleaning your backside, I know bowls at guard is something that's been talked about. Is there any reason to believe he could have a shot to fill one of those slots, leaving us well, with Reisner, Glasgow, and Bowles? If we draft a first round left tackle or sign Peters, maybe having a tackle blocking the ref's view of him will save some holding calls. Funny. Um, I used to believe this. I used to be big on the try bowls at guard train. Uh, but I talked to a source after this last season who just essentially made it clear to me there's no saving Garrett Bowles. Um, it's just – it's not really about talent. It's not about ability. It's more just about his ability to process, in you know, the information and that sort of stuff. And he, it, it's unfortunate. And, uh, you know, it's a bummer for him. But I don't think putting him at guard, which could be argued as a more technical position, is going to help things. And I'm certainly not moving Graham Glasgow into center to help Garrett Bowles out. No, I'm not. I'm not risking that. Montana Bronco says, I agree with Cam. I'm glad Shelby batted down that pass. I have a standing bet with a former coworker who's a Raider fan. It's $20 each time they play. So that play saved me $40 and we beat the Raiders. Fair enough. It sounds like it, the the guy you guys are really attacking isn't here today. So sorry about that. Yeah, I mean, I'm <laughs> like I said, I'm down to trade a third and fourth round pick for that for that win. I think there's value in that, but you got to actually execute the trade. Yep. From Tom Mercury, when talking about players, why do you guys frequently say their first name and last name? It's always Drew Locke instead of Locke, Von Miller instead of just Miller. <laughs> couldn't tell you tom yeah I, I i don't know um you know i don't think i'd actually ever say miller when talking about vaughn no nope, um, you might say vaughn right ex exactly there, there's only a few guys that are one namers and vaughn's one of them but yeah i don't know i would say that we frequently just use their first name right you know you got Drew. your Vons, your drews your phils yeah portland yeah um that if i say like you know you've got uh lock over here throwing to Sutton it just it feels like I'm I'm saying it in a story like a AP second reference yeah you got you got Jackson back there and it may take you a minute oh you're talking about Kareem Jackson at safety yeah exactly so uh, I, I don't know probably I, just for ease yeah I think it's just I don't know just converse the way our conversation <laughs> Iceman says hey friends no DT for me please way too many drops Drew doesn't need to watch that horror movie again wow as a coaching assistant, absolutely. Vaughn has COVID-19. Terrible news. Praying for 58's complete recovery, especially knowing he will get to play in 2020. Go America and Mr. Miller. Well, there's a there, there's Iceman saying Miller. Going with the Miller. Mr. Miller. Um, <laughs> you go ahead and answer this. I'm trying to look up some information. Well, we'll just continue to the next one. No, 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 no. Stay here. <laughs> oh, oh. Answer what? Answer, uh, what do you think of, of uh, the, the conversation about Demarius Thomas and drops? Too many drops. I mean, that was something that, that people really, really got frustrated with. And, and I understand it, uh, the frustration. But where did his drops rank uh, in, in terms of the NFL? What, was it one of the worst? 
I feel like people clung on to that and never really let it go for everything else he did. That's kind of how I feel. So I'm trying to look something up here. I'm halfway to what I'm trying to look up. And if it reveals what I think it's going to reveal, then I'm going to tweet this. He's halfway there. Oh, we're living on a prayer. That's good, dude. Thank you. Did we get that prayer answered yet? Uh, the prayer is <laughs> almost here. Okay. Wow. That is uh, quite the discrepancy there. I thought this would be a little bit closer. So, Uh-oh. Cortland Sutton, based on playerprofiler.com, has a 2.4% drop rate. I'm not sure if this is just last year or if this is – see, that's what I really got to find out. If it... Right, what it's based on? Yeah. Okay, so that's 2019. That's not, that doesn't help me. Hang on. Give me one second. Okay. So Cortland actually improved quite a bit. He cut his dro- his drops in half last year. He went from six drops in 2018 to three drops in 2020. Um, but in 2018, he had a significantly higher drop rate than Demarius Thomas did. Uh, and, but the problem is I can't get Demarius's full career here. I'd like okay. to know that um, because that would really – give us a, a, a clearer picture of this so in 2018 Cortland had a higher drop rate than Demarius uh did in over the last uh year or so 2019 he had a substantially lower drop rate than he had I, I, I thought it was going to be a little bit closer I wonder if I could look at the full picture of Demarius's career versus Cortland's career if that would actually illuminate what what I was trying to uh, illuminate here the point being that I was going to try to make is I think Demarius's drops were – the narrative was born, and then it just snowballed out of control. Whereas with Cortland, everyone wants to believe he's the next big thing, so it's easy to ignore the drops. With Demarius, it was like he was supposed to live up to this standard that was created, and the – you know, so then every time he dropped a ball, that was – counted against him on the narrative everyone was looking for that rather than the truth Demarius did he drop more balls than he should have yes yeah for sure his drop rate was higher than you would hope from him but I I really don't like when people use that as a uh, a tool to discredit his career because in the end at worst in my opinion he's the second best receiver in Broncos history yeah, pretty pretty incredible. I do understand uh, the the frustration in bringing him back. I think that that would be more of a focus for him is to focus on uh, the 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 drops in because he wouldn't be focusing on okay, I'm gonna I'm going over the top every single play. I need to hold uh, hold on to it. He's worrying about other things. Yeah, and you know you're not going to be counting on him nearly as much if you bring him back. You know. When he was your number one target, that sort of stuff gets illuminated because he's the guy you're thinking of on third down. Okay, we got to go to DT. He's going to be the one that gets open. And if he drops it, well, yeah, then everyone's upset. Um, in this case, you know, his targets are going to be so down that he might only have two or three drops throughout the year just because he's not going to get enough targets to drop the ball that much. Exactly. Exactly. All right, from TB12 equals system QB. Hey, guys, new subscriber. I'm a huge Broncos fan, and this is the best Broncos pod. It's not even close 
Easy decision. I hope I trigger Zach with my nickname, LOL. <laughs> well, Ryan, we got him. We got awesome him. to have you rolling with us, TB12 equals system QB. And hey, I'm not a Tom Brady fan. I just think he's really good, and I think he's going to do well with the Bucks. But man, so, so happy to hear that you're rolling with us, and thank you so much for the love. Is Tom Brady a system QB? It, isn't everyone a system QB? Yes. Good answer. Uh, and if you have a system that involves rubber, you want to hit up Denver Rubber <laughs> Company. Tried and true since 1972. They've got the highest quality of pros- products from custom die-cut gaskets, molded rubber, to custom con- contract manufacturing, and so much more. Hit them up at 1-800-259-0010 or visit drcfirst.com slash DNVR. Denver Rubber Company tried and true locally owned Denver sports fans since 1972. They are your go-to place. Next one coming in from thick Fangio favorite non nuggets NBA player, David Robinson. I used to play as him and the all time NBA jam. And then I moved to Virginia where I graduated from Osborne park high school, whose most notable alum, really the only notable alum is none other than Admiral than the Admiral himself. As if that wasn't enough, his son played wide receiver for for my Fighting Irish from 2013 to 2017. That being said, who do y'all think of this receiver room? Sutton, Ruggs, LaVisca, and Corey Robinson. I hear he's available. Um, Yeah. What do you you think? Yeah, that's fantastic. If you get get Ruggs and Chenault, I honestly, you could add Zach Stevens to the room and I'm still liking it. (laughs) Oh, I'm loving it even more. But yeah, no, I mean, if you get those two guys, that's phenomenal. Thinking Out Loud by Ed Sheeran is the uh, epitome of go-to shower songs, but I recently found myself singing Toxic by System of a Down, which I would have never thought about as a shower song, but it worked, so give it a try or don't. Either way, we can all agree on is sign Corey Robinson this offseason. I think he was saying Toxicity by System of a Down, oh. not uh, not to be confused with Toxic by Britney Spears. That's what I was thinking, and that's what was playing in my head, was Toxic by Britney Spears. It was Which, probably a good shower song. Great shower song. Uh, the, Ed, <laughs> the Ed Sheeran song he mentioned, though, too, is another good another good shower song. You know, no better place to test out the range than in the shower. You got to see if you can hit. <laughs> you got to see if you can hit those Ed Sheeran notes. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Next one's from Nick Geyer, 813. Hey, everyone, I hope you all have a great weekend if you're bored and want to listen to a super interesting podcast i highly recommend checking out the pick six podcast that came out today will brinson has brady quinn on and brian mcfadden and they go deep into the Broncos steelers playoff game where dt walks it off in ot both brady and brian were in that game and they both talk about the behind the scenes prep for that game game calls and their memory of that game and it's super interesting if you want to get a real behind behind the scenes look of the entirety of that game. Take it easy, everyone, and stay safe. Well, great suggestion there. That sounds very interesting. Wonder if Brady Quinn actually got into that game though. Uh, don't I mean, think so. No, I don't think so. Next one from Dan. Hashtag trade up for Rugs Burke. Hey guys, here's why a Broncos and Browns trade makes sense for both sides, in my opinion. The Browns have been eyeing Ezra Cleveland for a while. They can trade down from 10 to 15, and then from 15 to 21, the Eagles will move up. To, for Justin Jefferson, who they've been linked to constantly, and then take him at 21. 
Picking him at 21 puts him ahead of the Vikings, who are in the market for an offensive tackle, and would likely be interested in Ezra Cleveland as well because of the similar schemes. Shermer and Stefanski are very close. Shermer tried to hire him to be his offensive coordinator in 2018, but the Vikings blocked that. I'm sure Stefanski, and by extension, Andrew Barry, would also like to help Shermer out. Also, the Broncos and Browns have traded once this offseason, so the two front offices have established a trading relationship already. The possibility of trading some surplus players. Uh, someone like Isaac Yadam is potentially on the roster bubble here, but Joe Woods scouted him at the Senior Bowl, and he was drafted to play in that defense. Also, Jeff Hireman was drafted for the Kubiak offense and is a com competent run-blocking tight end, something that's extremely valuable in the offense the, the Browns run. That's very, very detailed analysis of that, Dan Burke. And I mean, yeah, it, it does make a lot of sense for every single side. Like you pointed out, I, I totally agree. Next one from Yorkshire Bronco. A short rant here, guys. So I do apologize in advance. First of all, thanks for providing great coverage in these difficult times. I know there's been a lot of talk about Shelby Harris costing the Broncos five spots in the draft. And of course, those five spots would be nice now. I guess for you guys, who have to be more objective, it may be different, but for me, the sheer euphoria of a dramatic win is worth more than the five draft spots, especially coming over the Raiders and at a time when it finally feels we are seeing the light at the end of the tunnel of a few dark years. That feeling as a fan after getting, getting that game has to be worth more than the five draft spots. Uh, just the, the questions that we continue to get on this are, are great. And he, here's the way I think of it especially in the position where the Broncos were last year, they were trying to win. They were trying to be four and one under Drew Locke. They were trying to have that momentum roll forward. So yeah, you're, you're never going to say, okay, defense, let's let them score and win the game. So that that's what it boils down to is the Broncos were never in a position where they were going to intentionally blow that game where if you're fighting for the number one overall spot and a chance to draft Andrew Luck, or Joe Burrow or Trevor Lawrence, then you may have a different idea come week 17. Yeah, I mean, I get it. And most of the times we bring that up, at least for me, we're joking. Um, you know, we're just having fun with the fact because it's, it's just an interesting thing to point to. Like, literally, you don't often get this where one play completely changed your draft position. So it's, to me, it's just kind of like an interesting footnote to point to. Um, and I think out of the three of us, I more than anyone am invested in the value of that game. Not necessarily as much as just beating the Raiders, which I know is always meaningful, uh, but more about just the fact that the Broncos went four and one drew, you know, the, if they lost that last game, I don't think the next three days are players talking about how much they believe in drew lock. You know, you had Chris Harris talking about it, Derek Wolf, and obviously neither of those guys are back. Um, but that was, in my opinion, more of the Broncos' uh, influence on that. But, you know, Shelby Harris is a guy who talked a lot about Drew Locke and just said, look, this is a guy uh, who we all believe in. And I don't think that necessarily happens if you finish with a sour taste in your mouth and you go three and two with him. I agree. Elway for Prez chiming in. He says, I know we all hate to think about it, but if there's no 2020 season, how would it affect players accrual of service time? At MLB, they're allowing any player who accrued 2019 service time to accrue 2020 service time, even if a season doesn't take place. My, but minor leaguers will not. How about the NFL? 
Uh, I ask because I feel it could have an effect on the draft. If players do indeed accrue service time, even with a lost season, I'd imagine a first round pick carries more value than, than usual due to the fifth year option. And given MLB's policy, the only positive elements of this crisis is the Dodgers may have traded valuable pieces for Mookie Betts, who never ends up drawing a, or donning a Dodgers uniform. Ha ha, wipe your poo with Dodger blue. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I don't think it's going to happen, so it's not that big of a deal to me. But uh, I think they would just pause everything, in my opinion. Um, so, you know, players' contracts freeze. Um, there's some sort of stipend provided by the NFL so these guys don't get zero money. But I don't think you run a full contract year off these guys to me that it, it doesn't make sense to me oh, and they wouldn't be paid that money too so that would make sense to kind of just pause everything wildcard says hey fellas i know you've covered similar topics but i was wondering where you think guys like mims jefferson and visco would rank in the previous three drafts i can't help but think that all three guys would be top four if not top three guy in the past few drafts i also feel like the worst case scenario in the draft would be staying put at 15 and only having a chance to grab kinlaw or beckton in that scenario, I think it would be best if we traded back and got more assets in the draft. What are your thoughts on it? What Would it be better just to grab one of those guys or to accumulate more assets? Sorry for the long comment. As always, thanks for the great content. And thanks for the great question, Wildcard. Um, so Mims, Jefferson, and Visca, um, I, I believe they would probably all be first-round picks in, in, the past three, in the past three drafts. Yeah. I mean, this, this draft wide receiver class is stacked more than – I think anyone can fully comprehend. I think the best way to understand it is I believe it was uh, Dane Brugler of the uh, athletic yesterday who said he has 18 wide receivers in his top 100, 18 wide receivers in his top 100, you know, that that's almost 20% of the hundred best players in this draft in his mind are wide receivers. And, you know, we're talking about a, how many different positions. So this is an unbelievably stacked wide receiver draft. And I think there's a world in which a healthy LaVisca, which we're now, you know, changing a lot of variables here, but a healthy LaVisca could have been the number one wide receiver in, in an average draft. Oh yes. Without a doubt. Um, And if Kinlaw or Becton are there, you're probably taking one of those instead of moving down. Next one's from LDJ. He says, thank you guys so much for providing content and taking my mind off things because, to be honest, I woke up to see the protests in Michigan and I thought I was uh, it was a movie. I thought the movie Idiocracy was on the TV, but this was real life. I have lost my job because of the virus. It has been an impossible uphill battle trying to get unemployment, and I don't know when or if I'll ever see it. Uh, I took whatever stimulus and paid my cable, light, and phone bill, till, uh, but till July uh, – all it was was money I should have um, made if I didn't get laid off. I had to take a job at a grocery store to make ends meet and to hear uh, that it's a debate about compensating essential workers who are putting their lives at risk every day is insane. Then Vaughn gets COVID-19 and now I don't know how badly this is going to affect football. I know this much though. Fans will not be attending games in my opinion. Uh, I'm at Mace level pissed about the idea. All of these plans to reopen the country and none of them uh include expanding testing i don't 
I don't know how we can truly know where we are with this virus if testing won't be massively made available in the event we reopen the country. I'm so sorry to get into life and politics, but this has affected the world in every aspect of what we do. Thank you again for the peace you provide to you guys, uh, plus Zooms with family and friends. Uh, is It's not sorrow, man. Thank you, and thank LA and the Broncos for keeping Broncos fans' passion flowing. Man, Larry Den, thank you for opening up, and I'm so sorry to hear about uh, all, all the struggles um, and yeah, we, we hope just like you so much that there's football. And I think, uh, I speak for Ryan as well. We do believe that there will be football in the fall and just hang in there, LDJ. We're here for you. And thanks for rolling with us. Yeah. And one, th- and one thing I'll say is that, you know, this has been, um, it's been one of the few things that I can remember in my life that affects every single person. And so personally, I'm not trying to judge anyone for the way that they are reacting to this or feeling about this or the way they think politicians should be reacting or anything like that, because I just think it's affecting every single person in the world and it's affecting them all in different ways. So I think I totally understand the variance of opinions that everyone has. And I think it's important for everyone to just try to listen to people and, and understand where they're coming from on this, why they believe this, what experience have, have framed their ref, their, their point of reference on this. So uh, LDJ, we're thinking of you and of course everyone else out there who's been impacted by this. Caleb Chihuahua. Fellas, I have a bit of a weird one here. If you had to compare your excitement about Denver drafting each of the following prospects to riding an amusement park ride, what ride would it be? Wow, this is weird one. Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy. Okay, so it's consistent. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's smooth. You know what you're getting. So I'm thinking this is um, the Ferris wheel. Okay. Oh, I like that one. I like that. I agree. Andrew Thomas. Andrew Thomas. I would kind of stick along those same lines as Jerry Judy. So maybe his is the uh, the merry-go-round. <laughs> okay, just the same thing other way. LaVisca. Ooh. Okay, LaVisca is it's a bit more risky, a lot more thrilling. So like for me I'm thinking like the mind eraser at Elitch's. Um or uh or the Tower of Doom. Ooh, yeah, Tower and of a Doom. A lot of excitement but also some scariness going on. Right, and, and it's not about this like consistent enjoyment as much as it is about like a one like one (laughs) just big old rush yep exactly tristan werfs tristan werfs i mean i don't know how to um equate potential in this right because you know a guy like tristan werfs you're talking about he has all the tools he has a potential to be a bookend left tackle for a long time I don't know how that translates here. What what about the skateboard one where you're like going on a skateboard and also spinning and if you get caught at the wrong part it can be a little weird but also for the most part it's pretty good. All right. I like it. <laughs> and Justin Herbert. Okay, um boring, overhyped. <laughs> um not a great leader. You're going to go with the uh, the old school white one, right? Where there's no loops, it's it's rickety. You know what? No, I'm going with the one that I always uh, didn't like. It was like the newest ride when I used to go there. It's the one that was supposed to feel like you're flying. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you're Superman, kind of. Yeah, but it wasn't smooth at all. Like it had all this great, like when you heard the idea of it, 
you're like, whoa, it's going to feel like you're flying and all this stuff. But it, it was actually like super jerky and just kind of hurt your neck by the end of it. So that's what I'm going with for Justin Herbert. I like that one. It jerks your whole body around. He says, I'm trying to get my emotions in check before next week. Tell me how to feel. Well, there we go. We did. And Ryan, final one coming in from True Chant Fan 24. Morning, y'all. Hope all is well. Couple thoughts today. One, Justin Jefferson does not excite me at 15. If the big three are gone, I'd rather trade back, snag another second if possible, and draft Rieger end of the first. Second, with second rounder, we already have with with the second rounder we already have, how would you feel about snagging Curtis Weaver from Boise State? Uh, not my favorite there in the second round. Um there are a couple guys that I do like in the second round uh, on the offensive line. Uh, if they go receiver in the first round, um, Curtis Weaver, not one of my favorite prospects in this draft, I have to say, but it's kind of how yeah, I feel. I just think there's, there could be better places, other positions to go than defensive line three for Mr. B four draft Cesar Ruiz with the other second rounder we have from the trade back or the normal second rounder we already have. And then draft Weaver. Wow. Uh, I'm, I'm curious if true champ fan 24 went to Boise state. <laughs> Seems like early ones Weaver uh, that fit. And next that fills three needs and ends up being Jaden Rager, Cesar Ruiz and Curtis Weaver all in, let's say the first 52 ish picks. Plus we would still have our three third rounders. Obviously there is a lot of better draft situations, but how will you feel about this one? Thanks guys. Well, this is what I love about the draft is everyone has their favorites. Everyone develops, you know, people that they really like, et cetera, et cetera. For me, uh, I don't like, I don't really love any of those three prospects. Um, Ruiz is probably my favorite of the bunch, but to me, I wouldn't love that. Someone else might love it. The best part about this is we don't know what what would happen if it happened in real life. And we probably never will, uh, but we will be able to evaluate these prospects, you know, three or four years down the road. And maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe uh, a true champ fan will be wrong, but you know, We'll, we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, and with Christian Weaver, I meant to say a, a front seven guy. Um, yeah, and, and I do love how we all have different opinions on this. And, man, Ryan, we're six days away from the start of the first round. One more coming in here as a buzzer beater. It comes in from Ooh. Steve Atwater, Hall of Famer. Hate to burst Bronco Lands collective bubble, but there's no way that DT is coming back. I believe this for two reasons. Well, number one, he's too old to play special teams. The fourth or Sif fifth wide receiver on the roster has to be a special teams contributor and i predict spencer hamilton and patrick filling that void number two i believe that elway had a bad taste in his mouth because of dt's support for kneeling during the national anthem I'm not trying to turn this political i swear but i do think that's the reason he wanted to move on from him and brandon marshall going on is there a way any way you guys can put together uh with the boys for the draft podcast to put together a final draft of the first 15 picks have you i wonder if steve atwater hall of famer has been following our mock drafts that we've <laughs> yes. been doing we've already done four of them in the exact way that you just mentioned and we do have one more coming on tuesday our final mock draft anyways he says you could dive into the top 14 teams roster needs yes yes we've already done all that um this might be asking a lot it's not because we already did it uh, anyways he says uh the debate over the broncos uh who and who they should pick would be pretty entertaining just a thought yes well good news for you is you've got four episodes to go back and watch there on the website so you can go check them out on the dnvr.com and see how we have decided through the first four rounds who would go at the 15th pick uh as for demarius thomas 
I think the harsh feelings things are a little overblown. And I also honestly think the old adage of the fourth or fifth wide receiver has to play special teams is just blown out of proportion. You can always just find someone else on the roster to fill that spot. It's ideal normally. And also if you would need to, you can just classify him as the third receiver. If that makes you feel better and the fourth and fifth guys can play special teams. But um, I, I think that sort of stuff gets overblown. And when it comes to roster construction, well, and don't you get a couple more guys on game day now? So you could you could use that in, in a different way uh, with the new CBA. But the truth is, I think both Zach and I agree with you that DT probably won't be coming back. Just yeah. For different reasons. All right. That's going to do it for the questions. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thanks to Davidson's for helping us bring you this podcast and for bringing you liquor whenever you need it. If you're in the Centennial or Highlands Ranch area, make sure you hit up Davidson's, get that 15-can sampler from Breck Brew. Maybe you just hit up Breck Brew directly and have them send you the 15-can sampler. But if you need some some hard stuff to go along with it, Davidson's is your place to go. Make sure you tag us, tag them when you get a delivery from Davidson's, or maybe you go pick it up from them. But for this week, that's going to do it for us on the DNVR Broncos podcast. Zach, my man, even though the weekends are pretty much the same these days, I hope you have a great one. Thanks you too, Ryan. And man, thank you guys for rolling with us, Ryan. It was a, th- it was a blast from the past today. Yes, it was. All right. We'll talk to you guys later. Have a good weekend.